So yeah, it, it's <laughs> it's that kind of week again. Oh my god, yeah, um, it's pretty nuts out there. Um, yeah, this is signs and portents. Signs and portents. It's not looking good, folks. Yeah. Like, for example, we've got the Ravens leaving the Tower of London, which, according to a prophecy dating back to the reign of Charles II, means that if the Ravens leave the Tower, then the Tower will fall, and with it will go Britain. Yeah. Like, and, like, the the British government isn't going to officially say they believe this, never mind that, you know, the guy who ran RAF fighter command during the second world war believed in fairies and other and they had a special unit that involved Aleister Crowley whose job was just to curse Hitler um <laughs> like you know leave keep in mind this is who we're talking about here um they the groundskeepers do actually clip the wings of the ravens so that this thing that's happening is doesn't happen <laughs> um. I mean, look, groundskeepers are not important. They're not important at all. Um, the austerity gods have spoken, and it is time to cut the groundskeepers. Uh, it is also time to cut the tourists as well, because of decisions we have made elsewhere. Well, so. I mean, I'm sure that, you know... <laughs> It's a total coincidence that the Ravens would be leaving the Tower of London now. Yeah. I mean, it's like, there, there is a mundane explanation to, you know, the mandate of heaven falling, usually. Yeah. But when it falls, it falls. <laughs> oh, yeah. Like, it, it tends to be nice and quick. So, you know. And, and we have an event that is going to impact Britain's sovereignty soon anyway. Brexit is coming. Oh, yeah. Uh, <laughs> so this is not a good sign. Yeah. And then, because 2020 just wants to fuck with us, I guess. I mean, maybe the writers really have run out of ideas or something. Or maybe it sweeps. Who the fuck knows? But... NASA has uh, announced that there is an asteroid that is on course to potentially, in an extremely, extremely small percentage chance, uh, strike the Earth in time for Election Day. The asteroid, of course, is only large enough to maybe kill Rupert Murdoch. Well, uh, good luck to him. find out the meaning of Fox Fall if one dies. It's like this is the fucking year where if I woke up this morning and looked down at City Hall and Godzilla was like doing the can-can I'd be like yeah okay that looks about right. So <laughs> kind of bullshit to be like up oh, here comes the asteroid and it's like you know a fucking pea yeah. shooter of an asteroid. <laughs> I mean, I'm not asking for a real one, but... Yeah. And... 
This writing sucks. Yes! Welcome to Chop Shop Economics. We read this Um, shit so you don't have to. (laughs) Yeah. Um, I'm Miss Silver. Um, With me is just the doc. Let's do our best. Yeah, so speaking of those ravens... The UK is rapidly on course for crashing out of the European Union. Um, Keir Starmer, the leader of the Labour opposition, is mostly standing off on the side going, But you're not putting the doilies down with the tea right! And... The Boris Johnson and the rest of the Hooray Henrys are doing coke off of Big Ben and um, as by way of like planning for Brexit, which comes in January. It means there will be no deal with the European Union. And, and um, to make it... Which means that at this point... The UK has fucked itself because, well, now the EU gets to dictate terms, and the UK can Ever- or leave them. Everyone gets to dictate terms at that point, really. It's well, yes, but the EU is by far the closest polity that would concern them. Oh yeah. And what makes this even more fun is not just that the UK is about to get all new appreciation of the meaning of the term unequal treaty. Um, it's, um, it, it's that we now have a classified report that was leaked to the sun who will run anything. They're scumbags, but they will run anything. Um, outlining a reasonable worst-case scenario plan and assessment. And they are assuming things like parts of the UK may face power and fuel shortages um, and medical shortages due to port blockages, so animal diseases could run rampant throughout the countryside. The army could be drafted to airdrop food to the Channel Islands to maintain the flow of supply lines. Oh, and um, health officials believe that as things are currently progressing, there's probably going to be a second wave of COVID come, you know, late December or early January. (laughs) I'm sure that's... I'm sure that's not a big deal. Um, I'm sure everything will be fine. Oh, wait. You know, this is, after all, part five of 2016. That's the Brexit subplot. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, and it's like, you know, I, I would like to stop living in this timeline, please. Yeah. Like and and like the shit that's the the shit they're predicting is that they're looking at like a potential like breakdown of civil order in a very basic way, um, and are somehow thinking they're gonna like tape this together with the army and the police. Good luck with that. Um, so you know, 
we'll probably be hearing the end of this when uh, the uh, free Scottish militia and the Irish Republican army are enforcing the terms of the dismemberment of the UK in Westminster. Mm-hmm. It should be amazing. <sighs> Backed up by the Manchester England, Soviet militia. The protectorate <laughs> of the free Scottish Republic. <laughs> I mean, they're I already mean, ready English, to jump if anyway. you didn't want this outcome, maybe you should have voted for Brexit. I'm sorry. This is what happens. Yeah. It was especially bad as there's now, like, a 60% majority that wants to get back in the EU. It's like, yeah. Um. Sorry. But you believed all that bollocks from the right-wing media about Jeremy Corbyn being a secret Czech spy slash Moonlight as a bomber for Hamas and like gets off to Schindler's List or something. Um, yeah. Like, you know, granted, the fucking British press is like, you know, the best argument against freedom of the press on the planet, but. Uh-huh. And, and and the Blairite scum. Let's not forget the Blairite scum. You bought this. You yep. broke this. You own it. This is this is what you wanted. Yeah, this is what you wanted. You you chose to cock block the um, Corbin faction because reasons, and this is what you get. Yeah. You're a shambling corpse now. That's that's he, how this works. He was gonna save you from yourselves, you fucking prats. Yes! <laughs> oh my god. Um, Yale asks students to prepare for death. Yeah, Because but- once, you know once you once you're admitted, you're clapped in irons and immediately brought to Yale, um, where you are imprisoned for your four to six year um, college term, um, so that you cannot leave. Yeah. Um, obviously. Because, um, you know, <laughs> I, I, mean, I, I will say I do kind I do kind of enjoy, at least a little bit, that finally, like, the scions of the elite are going to be put into an insanely risky position. Um, like, I mean, I could just sort of imagine that they got everybody together at the Skull and Bone Society and had a representative for each Ivy League college, and were like, okay, we're gonna have to draw straws and see which student body we're gonna, like, offer up to COVID so that maybe the proles won't try to kill us this year. I mean, it's very much um, oh my god it is there's some Shirley Jackson shit yeah I mean it's very much um, part of the problem is basically like students 
And I'm partly speaking for myself here. Like, even if, you know, the whole, um, I've only got a year of eligibility left, um, even if that wasn't hovering over me, um, I still gotta think, like, this is all gonna be online, isn't it? And I hate online courses. I hate them. Um, I've never done well with them. I've always failed them. Um, because, you know, they're... I need the experience of leaving my house to set into my mind that, yeah, this, this is a thing that needs doing. Um, I don't... I, I need to leave this place and go away for a little while so that I can learn. Like, that's, that's how I've gone through my college career. And... It's just I'm so, like, but at the same time, it's so like. So it's like I'm going to take a gap here instead. I'm just going to wait this shit out. I will return next year, and hopefully, you know, maybe Biden fixes the um, the student loan system. And he, you know, actually keeps a a fucking. Um, promise for once i don't know um maybe i mean who like that's what i would do if i was in that situation yeah just take a a fucking gap here but here's the thing they don't want you to do that because if everyone does that if everyone just fucks off um for a year then you know that drops their enrollment um like, it looks very bad for them. But this is, and this is like, we're not just saying, like, you know, they're saying, oh, you should get ready to die for your education. Like, we're really not exaggerating that much. Like, this is a, here's a quote from the letter that was sent by the head of college, uh, Lori Santos, to all the students. We all should be emotional prepared for widespread infections and possible deaths in our community. You should emotional prepare for the fact that your residential college life will look more like a hospital unit than residential college. Hi. I mean, they're not wrong, but... Mother... Motherfucker! Like, it would... I, I would argue it would be way more responsible for them to say, you know what, just don't come back. We will hold your spot. We're not going to charge you anything. But they yeah. can't do that. They're not going to dip into their, like, fuck-off gigantic endowment. Because fuck that. Yeah. I mean, and speaking of, like... like, endowment, <laughs> we've got some really interesting shit that's coming out around the upcoming annual conference for the Federal Reserve. Yeah. And, yeah, this is in Reuters, published on August 21st. And we want to like begin by saying that none of this is official from the federal reserve none of this is a statement by jerome powell or anyone who can actually represent the like central bank of the united states yeah this is this is scuttlebutt this is finance scuttlebutt basically um but it's like it's really bad scuttlebutt. <laughs> oh, yes. 
Um, and it's like, we probably wouldn't mention it, except that the implications are a little disturbing. Yeah, like, this is shit. And by a little, I mean a lot. <laughs> by a lot, meaning, like, you know, they're casually wargaming the apocalypse. Yes. You know. Um, so the thing that is the big, like, buzz is they're expecting that the Fed is going to shift inflation targets to an average, which would effectively allow inflation to run higher than previously allowed for before they do anything with the interest rates. So in effect, the... Gossip, keep in mind this is gossip mostly. This is like a bunch of like fucking Wall Street real heads getting coked up and talking to a reporter. But this is the Federal Reserve saying shit may be so bad for the value of the dollar and American currency that we're going to seriously consider inflating the dollar. So that it yeah. doesn't explode. Yeah, there was a quote in here that was, I think, a little telling. The stock market is telling you there is asset price inflation occurring when there is still a lot of underlying weakness in the economy. I think the Fed is unlikely to view that as a signal of success on policy and, therefore, Decide there is nothing more to do. So, I don't know that this is entirely representative of, like, Wall Street's position, but this is... This like, is... They, they can see the writing on the wall as well as we can. The, this, um, this is, like... And, like, for neoliberal economics... Anything that is deliberately inflationary or potentially inflationary in any way is high heresy. It is like fucking apostasy. We are casting you out of the church of economics to the seventh generation. How dare you utter those words? Get that sinful nonsense out of your filthy mouth. Like, kind of shit. This is utterly unthinkable. This is the great sin that damned Keynesian economics, according to the neoliberals. Yeah. As you have forsaken um, interest rate policy, so you have forsaken me. My curse upon you for seven times seven generations. That is what they're talking about. This is on par with Sort nameless sources inside the Vatican say the Pope has been loudly musing that maybe Martin Luther wasn't totally wrong. <laughs> oh, Jesus. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so, um... But the best part is it might not work anyway. Yeah. So, basically, what they're actually proposing is switching the inflation measure to an average. Um, I am not entirely sure what that implies. 
um, partly because this is so not my field. Um, well, like what so it would you mind going into it. the... What would this actually mean for, like, Fed policy? Well, what this means is that the Fed is going to be more free with, like... So far, most of their money has been going into finance through financial markets. And they've been, as the Fed has done for a long time, like the Fed is a bank of last resort. They are not a direct lender. They have never been a direct lender in American history. Um, so how they've done it so far is they lend money to banks or they sell securities, stuff like that. And then the banks loan out that money and they use it as seed capital and all that other shit. So you had that sort of like indirect remediation of the money. Um, it's all like, it's not getting directly pumped into the economy. So in theory, it's going to be less inflationary. And, you know, it's also great for Wall Street. Um, so what this may mean in practice, especially because the Fed has been actually starting to buy corporate bonds for the first time ever. And it has, like, shot nearly $10 trillion into space at this point. Um, is This may mean the Fed is going to actually be dumping money directly into the real economy. Yeah, basically... So if I'm understanding what they're saying correctly, what they plan to do is basically say, um, instead of trying to hit this perfect target of 2% inflation, um, we're slightly deflating right now, so we can, we can jack up inflation as much as we want until we hit that average target again. Yeah. Um, which is not the current Fed policy. And it has not been the current Fed, the Fed's policy for a long time. So, like, yes. this is the kind of thing that if any other government did this, the IMF would be, like, shitting out a solid pyramid. Yeah. Never mind that other central banks do this. Um, it's just, you know, we haven't done it because we haven't needed to do it. Um, and, you know, how Paul's that one? Yeah, so this is like the Fed, if this speculation is correct, and again, this is speculation, but it does fit with some of the shit the Fed's been doing. And it wouldn't be surprising if they did, given what we know. But, you know, it might not work. <laughs> anyway... Because if you're going to do that, inflation's going to go up. And if inflation goes up, the value of the dollar goes down. It becomes more expensive to do business in the United States. Foreign investment starts to retreat. People stop buying securities, which, by the way, have been slowly, like, getting dropped by asset managers around the world for the last couple months now. Um, if you were somebody who was, you know, as bearish on the dollar as the, like, self-appointed bear popes, of the dollar. You may now kiss our ring. Yes. Then the dollar inflating would be something that you would use as a perfect justification for ditching your dollar holdings. Yeah. Because that's what you would do. 
gold in military grade rounds. Remember, yeah. military grade rounds are the only thing that holds value in the post-apocalypse. Yeah, <laughs> this is getting. Yeah, to shoot your ammunition. Yeah, to shoot your. <laughs> you have to shoot your money, basically. Yeah. Um, so this is. But if this doesn't work, then the dollar's going to deflate and lose value anyway, and everyone's going to ditch their dollar holdings. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that is so fucking bleak. Uh, There's, like, it's no great. upside. It's great. Like, if this worked according to whatever fucking plan this implies... You know, assuming the stimulus already happened, which according to Jeff Stein will be some point after Labor Day at this point. Um, yeah, got um, yeah, goose those quarter freehold earnings. Um, you know, the fiscal quarter is it's gonna wrap up soon. Yeah, so shit is you know. If things were working correctly, this would be an extremely risky strategy. This would be a really, like, given circumstances, given American history and its current standing in global markets, this would be potentially reckless. Under this context, with these fucking morons? Yeah, this this may not even work. Like, we have been teetering on the edge of a deflationary spiral for this entire fucking lost decade. Um, what they're proposing might just be enough to, you know, either maintain our, you know, edge against the deflationary spiral or even negate it, but it's too little too late. Um, you know, that is not going to resolve all of the underlying structural problems of this economy. Exactly. This is... I mean, yeah, we've been preaching the holy word of the dollar is fucked for a while now, but this these are all <laughs> things that are in alignment with the sacred prophecy of the dollar is going to die. Yeah. Ah. <sighs> On the horizon, the red horse. Yeah, so... (laughs) uh, Speaking of economic shit going to hell, apparently Trump seems to have just ditched even pretending to negotiate a trade deal with China. Yeah, he's been... See, the thing is, is that he's been enabling, you know, Xi's whole obsession with um, taming the frontier. But when it comes to, like, actual trade deals, shit that actually matters to him and his cronies, he's dropped the ball. (laughs) Mm -hmm. There is, yeah, he apparently has just kind of ditched. Any kind of negotiation of a trade deal whatsoever, which is the dumbest possible thing you could have done. But, you know, remember, yeah. Trump's razor. Always assume the stupidest possible explanation. Yeah. Yeah. And 
like, I know why he's doing it. He's, like, a lot of this is posturing so he can maintain his America first, um, you know, policy position. And, uh, like his COVID death policy. Stuff. Yes, yes. But it's like... He just he just nuked the trade deal. Um, the see yeah. the the whole phase one plan was supposed to culminate in a video conference um, around about now, um, and that has not happened. Um, and Trump is just basically ignoring. And that's bad because um, <laughs> a lot of the provisions expire unless they're addressed at the conference. Yeah, this is going to be... And, you know, we do depend... Like, the United States economy does depend on China for basic medical gear a lot of tech that we're going to need for dealing with COVID and having a functional economy. And it may or may not be a thing that the dollar suddenly isn't worth that much. And I guarantee that if China has to pivot to the EU and ditch a dead market, well, they already are. Yeah. And... Basically, the whole thing we're worried about is tariffs. Um, the whole thing, like this whole thing, was to avoid, you know, Trump's self-imposed like, huge ass tariffs. And <laughs> yeah, but this shit is yeah. This is just going to make it more, everything more expensive, everything slower, everything in an economy that's not supposed to do that, and a supply chain that's not prepared to do that, is shifting in ways to prepare for that, but it really isn't ready for that shit. So, you know, yeah, any hope of economic recovery, any kind of shapes, oh wait, what's the new shape they're talking about again? K-shaped. Uh, yeah, the K-shape. Yeah, that that's the, the economy new one. recovers for like the one percent. Um, you are told to go to hell and to yeah. die. K-shape. That's a K-shape. Yeah, that yeah. that's um, the new. If you're lucky, they'll even let you do that in that order. Yeah. So yeah, we're gonna get a. We're we're probably not even gonna get a K. Let's be real. That this is gonna be an L-shaped recovery at this point. Like, yeah. <laughs> um, I mean, on a long enough timeline, all recoveries are ultimately V-shaped. Um, you just have to go log a farm and, you know, stretch the time out like, a couple years. Things like that. You know. It's, it's fine. It's fine. When we're on the third American empire. <sighs> And part of it is, like, I guess some of them are hoping um, 
they'll reschedule the call after the RNC. And it's like... Uh, yeah, no. It, and at this point, it doesn't really matter because the speed at which shit will be able to fly apart is greater than the speed that supply chains will be able to adapt. Yeah, and it's like, you know, uh, Biden has already come out in uh, on being like, you know, a fucking China hawk. I don't know that he'll necessarily approach it as uh, in, quite in this manner uh, because, you know, he's going to have a neoliberal staff and a lot of those people are going to want to like, resume trade. But um, they're also going to be, if I was China and I'm looking at this situation, I'd be like, yes, I'm going to push the United States down a flight of stairs and kick them a couple times when they hit the bottom. I really don't give a shit who's going to be coming into office because if it's Trump, then fuck him. If it's Biden, then I get to dictate terms. Yes. And that's the thing. Like, we don't have a lot of leverage. And, you know, it, there's been, like, recent scandals in, uh, in Taiwan about, like, you know, their state of military readiness. Um, where, you know, basically 30% of, like, their ground assets are working. Um, because yeah. the government is simply not buying parts, um, and they've instituted they've instituted this culture of basically letting people falsify things because you know they will not approve any actual budget requests. So, like, what are they going to do with you know a tank that can? move but not fire it's a gun yeah so this is this is what we're looking at this is what is coming down in the pacific is you're probably going to see china just doing whatever the hell they want or up to that point yeah because why shouldn't they yeah and it's like i mean i don't know what china's policy towards taiwan going to be in light of these allegations, but I mean, it's like at the present time, I don't think you can really stop them. Exactly. So, yeah. <laughs> and meanwhile, sneaking up behind, we can see the coming of the Black Horse. So, the Black Horse. Yeah. So, we've got (laughs) all kinds of fuckery happening with the post office right now. All that, like, nonsense from the Postmaster General, who, by the way, runs a competing logistics company. You know. No conflict of interest there. No graft, obviously. Um, Who, you know, Congress, like, the House comes back in full form and fury. They demand he come down for a hearing, and then he says, okay, I'm not going to fuck around with the post office in a way that's going to threaten the elections. But I'm still a grifting shit-ass capitalist. 
So when they asked him, well, are you going to actually, like, plug the machines back in? Or put the post office boxes back? He kind of told them to get fucked. Um, Yeah, he told them to get fucked. And it's like, right now, from what I've heard, they're prioritizing things roughly in this order. Um, Priority packages, because obviously they get paid for those um, really well. Um, And then Amazon packages, because they gotta keep that fucking contract. Um, Oh, yeah. Like, the post office is not going to give that up, especially not under a grifter like him. Hell no. And then, even, like, first-class mail just, you know, goes to hell. Everything else gets stuck in delivery hell, and that's a problem when you're relying on just-in-time delivery of life. <laughs> like chicks, as in baby chickens. Fuck yes. the, like farmers in multiple places have been reporting that their shipments of chicks are showing up dead. Yeah. Which was not what they ordered. They would like them alive, please. This is not some goddamn bullshit about a fucking parrot here. This is my livelihood. Yes. Basically... Uh, so, um, this yeah. one, uh, popped up on the AP, um, basically, like, there's this farm, uh, Pine Tree Poultry in New Sharon, Maine, um, they normally get a shipment of chicks from a hatchery in Pennsylvania, um, and, you know, they... They're shipped out, like, every three weeks, and uh, she's, like, out of a hundred birds, you know, you might have, like, one or two that die in shipping, and (laughs) Um, then she got 800 dead ones last week. Just, you know, she got shipped, like, 800 dead chicks. What the fuck are you going to do with 800 dead baby chickens? Make chicken nuggets? <laughs> the world's smallest <laughs> chicken nuggets. Oh my god. <laughs> yeah. It's like... So they're basically relying on, like, you know, a sort of delivery guarantee, then a lot of these places work on the assumption that, you know, modulo like a day or so for delays in shipping, um, this box will get from point A to point B in a specific amount of time as dictated by the zone pricing. Like, that's, you know, logistics 101 shit. Yeah. And they are violating these guarantees on basically everything but priority packages. And you've got, like... And this isn't just happening with the this case in agriculture. This is, like, rippling across the supply chain. There are, like... Oh, a yes, lot this of, is... Particularly, 
like particularly rural areas and smaller towns that have quite a bit less in the way of infrastructure and economic interest are kind of falling apart because the people who were keeping their supply chain going was the post office. Yes. Like, if you've lived out in the sticks, you know that FedEx won't deliver to you a lot of the time um, because of, you know, the franchise route bullshit. Um, UPS will get to you when they get to you. Um, But USPS, like, they're there. They, they have always worked. It's always been a just works solution um, to your mail problem, and now they're like basically deleting the guarantee because you know Fuck Trump cares things. about yeah <laughs> Trump cares about rural people right up until he has to do something for them. Yeah, then he tells them to die in a ditch, and he. I don't think he's even consciously telling rural people to die in a ditch. I think he's just, you know, in his usual mad Trump mad way, is just, you know, smash post office, Trump smash election. So I don't think there's really any higher level of thinking going on there beyond that. And the fucking shit ass they have right in the post (laughs) office is like, well, there's a great excuse for me to strip this shit down to the bone and sell it for parts. Sure, boss. I mean, there was a <laughs> there was a little good news in um, Tacoma where they just uh, where the union basically just ended up reconnecting like four of the machines they take it out of service. Just like you know, fuck you. Yeah, we and got yeah. mail to ship. <laughs> Let's and, get this done. And you know, if you should happen to be in a post office, that may be a good idea. You know, plugs yeah. accidentally fall in outlets all the time. I mean, switches are just fiddly little bastards, you know? Yeah, like, just plug it back in. It's not a big deal. I mean, your boss probably won't give a shit. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, it's like, you know, you do you want to wait around all day because, you know, some some fucking asshole who has never worked a day in his life, his whole, um, you know, some guy above you who told some guy above you, uh, to turn off half the machines in your building because reasons. Yeah, fuck those. Just people. turn them. Yeah, just turn them back on. Nobody cares. Well, I mean, we care, and we were appreciative. Yeah. <laughs> in post-revolutionary America, all supply chains will be run by the post office. So you know. But, yeah, this is, like, the reason um, this is kind of spun as an agricultural issue really just comes down to there are a lot of goods that are not perishable in this way. But, you know, when you order, like, 800 live baby chickens, you expect the company that's shipping them to you to get them to you. <laughs> and you know, God's forbid you're doing something like pharmaceuticals. Yeah. Yeah. 
So this is like, I mean, again, we want to emphasize what's probably going on at the post office is graft using Trump's corruption and fraud as a cover, but it's still fucking things up. Yeah. And basically, it's not good, folks. Yeah. Especially as we have coming behind the pale horse just so much so so much we've got a lot to cover today Um, yeah so it used to be Two hurricanes bearing down on the Gulf Coast. Uh, one is degrading. That's very good news. It's already a tropical storm now on its way to becoming a depression. Which means <sighs> lots of rains, but the wind the wind is much more easily handled. So it's just one bearing down on the Gulf Coast right now. Uh, one hurricane. Just one, you know. Yeah, but 2020 was really trying there for, you know, a maximum level of fuck you to Louisiana and East Texas. Yeah, there was, like, at one point, it actually looked like on the, like, projected paths of the hurricanes that they were going to converge on New Orleans. Yeah. It was just incredibly (laughs) fucked. It's so still fucked. <laughs> it's still fucked. The fun. fact that we got there in the first place, that's a little worrying. Yeah. Just a little. Like, it's still gonna be fucked, because you know that the Trump government is gonna handle this about as well as they handled Puerto Rico. If we're lucky. So, yeah. this is... This is going to really hurt a lot of people, like, regardless of how it comes out, this is going to hurt. These are states that don't really have the actual resources to respond to this shit on their own because of stupid as fuck policies. Yeah. For, like, selling everything to the highest bidder. Yeah, and it's like, with East Texas, like, a lot of a lot of that area is just not that built up, but it always gets its shit pushed in. Because it's like, for all of, you know, Abbott's posturing, he doesn't give a shit about Texas. We all know that. Like, he, he just cares about, you know, I don't know, lining his pockets or something. Um, like most of the rest of them. Yeah. Yeah. That or, you know, some vague um, Republican death cult thing. I don't know. Like, peering into the minds of these, of these motherfuckers is not... It's not a task for... Um, this is a cult that, in a recent poll, 
said that something like 56% support thought that the number of people dead from COVID was reasonable. Yes. Yes. That's, that's what we're talking about. A Republican death cult. Yeah. And then we've got wildfires all across the western United States. Oh, yeah. So California's been getting the most press for this because, well, last week there was that, like, hellacious lightning storm that cracked off over the state and kicked off, like, a a fuck ton of wildfires (laughs) in a heat wave. And we haven't had much rain. So, yeah, we're talking, like, currently, like, three of the fires that are blazing right now are in the top ten biggest in the history of the state. Um, which includes, like, the Paradise Fire. There's, like, they're not even, like, calling it individual fires. They're talking about fire complexes. Because that's the level we're at here. Like, this is where fire NATOs are coming from. Um, so... This is, like, and it's not just in California. There's also, like, massive wildfires breaking out in, like, Colorado um, and parts of Oregon. Like, this is the time of year when that happens throughout the American West. But this is happening with, like, a frightening intensity that's, like, you, you need, like... If you weren't wearing a mask already in Northern California to go outside, you are now. Because you literally need one to breathe. It's worth noting that there is even one in Florida. Um, It's not a very large one. Um, CNN says it's only more than 100 acres. But it's like... Just like it's easier to name a place that isn't burning on the West Coast and you know west of the Mississippi, really. It's easier to name places that aren't burning. <laughs> well, states that aren't burning, I should say. Yeah. It like this is shit that fits with all the climate change models. This is what is to be expected at this point. This is going to be the new normal. Um, Although it's making the California wildfires in particular worse. And let's remember Kamala Harris has defended this practice all the way to the fucking Supreme Court when she was the Attorney General of California. Is the massive and incredibly preventable COVID outbreaks Uh in California's prison system have decimated the potential pool of prisoners who can be press ganged into fighting wildfires for like a dollar a day. Yes. So because California depends on basically prison slavery to not burn down on a periodic basis... And because the prison, like, this is a prison system that the Supreme Court ruled, like, several years ago, was so overcrowded and mismanaged that it was in violation of the Eighth Amendment against cruel and unusual punishment. Um, yeah. Like, that's that's the level of fuckery we're talking about here. 
Yeah, th- this is like shit under Kaiser Newsom's watch. Let's remember this. Like, you know, even if you're talking the like less awful libs, there's still shit. And, you know, of course, this is going to cause super spreads all over the American West because people are being forced to evacuate. Um, and these are mat like shit like Santa Cruz might have almost burned down like the county Alameda County, which holds Oakland is under an evacuation warning like this shit is and the fires like in Colorado and Oregon are also like doing their thing and FEMA's doing fuck all yeah um I mean that's not the only cause of fires at this point Um, there's also political arsons yeah in case um you know this wasn't bad enough yeah Yeah. so in Portland the Chabad Center for Jewish Life uh, reported their second fire in a week. This year. Yeah. And this one caused significant damage. Ah, god damn it. Yep, we are in the part of 2020 that has burning synagogues, everybody. Yes. Um, it's they're saying it's um, it's an electrical fault, but I will point out that it is it is not that hard to burn a building down using only the building's electrical service. Yeah, like lightning doesn't strike twice like this. Yeah, a couple hundred amps at four hundred. And forty volts AC is more than enough energy to start fires. Yeah, more than enough. So, especially if you know you do it on purpose. Like they don't know if it actually was done on purpose, but it's like the timing is just yeah. It's yeah, like yeah. Keep an eye on that one. There's already reports of you know. Proud Boys doing hate crimes in Portland, so this would end some absolute chud hanging an anti-Semitic banner over a freeway in Los Angeles. Yeah. There was also um, that Denver arson recently um, where they three guys in masks burned a home container Senegalese family to death um, killed five people. It was really, really fucked up. Um, and it's yeah, I just shit. <laughs> like they're they're already offering rewards, but it's like you know, free dudes in masks running from from a home. Um, and the only picture we have of them is from, like, you know, some random camera's night fishing mode. Um, like, these people did not want to be seen. 
I'll yeah. That this is like Knight Rider fascism. This is more of what we can expect to see. Yeah. Somebody on the cow horse was probably a bad idea. Good God. Yeah. <laughs> and, but uh, for a better death. Yeah. <laughs> for a better death, um, Aaron Co. is shaking up their top just oil crash. So for those not familiar, Aramco is the Saudi national oil company. They are the most valuable corporation on the planet, full stop. Mm-hmm. And they've been eating shit lately. Yes. Can't imagine why. They created an entire division focused on portfolio optimization. Uh, because they need um, they need cash and you know low crude prices, partly because you know they try to fight a price war with fucking Russia. Yep. Um, the war of the sausage grinders. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and now they're finding to their horror that they are in fact bleeding out. So they've fired, uh, and keep in mind this is, by the way, after like in May earlier this year they let go like half of the board. The this is like Aramco is seriously having to slim down, and if Aramco is having to slim down, then everyone in the oil industry, public, private, don't give a fuck. At the minimum, is going to be doing that, and we know there's a several like Occidental who are doing way more than that. Yeah, Aramco's mostly doing this because they need to pay out a seventy-five billion dollar dividend, um, which they pledged to do, and most of that money is to go to the Saudi government. Um, of course. Because, you know, they've got a major revenue squeeze. Um, this makes up a significant part of their budget. So, you know, fuck what Aramco's books look like. Um, they need that $75 billion paid out. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. And, you know, this is... the the If Aramco is this fucked... Mm-hmm. I mean, it's not for nothing that August 24th, the Dow Jones Industrial Average dropped ExxonMobil, who's been in the Dow Jones Industrial Average since 1928. Yeah. They survived the Great Depression, but they couldn't survive this. They survived the oil shocks. They're supposed to be an immovable blue chip, and they're off the Dow. Yeah. Rain. Twenty twenty sucks. COVID's awful. But at least we got to watch Big Oil eat shit. Oh yeah. And um, that great big fiery project that they were doing in China. Um, I don't know that they're not doing it anymore, but they've suspended investment on it. Which is a nice way of saying they're not going to do shit with it anymore. Yeah. I mean, they may eventually finish it if China happens to need the capacity 
or needs to retire in an old capacity. Because that's also a thing that happens. Like, you know, a lot of this stuff is caustic, toxic, um, you know, heat cycles. Refinery equipment doesn't last that long. It's not like it's not like a gun or a lathe or you know something solid. It's put through a lot of stress, and it's also supposed to be continuously in operation. It can't just sit on the shelf. So yeah, once you fire it up, that's it. It's gotta stay on. Yeah. So this is yeah, oil is continuing to die. We love to see it. <laughs> At least we get that. <laughs> and with that, we proceed into capitalist hell. Oh, yes. <sighs> so... We got, Where to start? <laughs> I don't know. How about like round eighty-seven of the Battle of Portland? I mean, oh, yes. <laughs> at what point do we stop calling it a battle and start calling it a siege? Yes, that's a very good question. So they basically bust in a bunch of proud boys all the way from places like um, Florida, which. I'll remind y'all is practically on <laughs> the opposite end of the country. It's it's almost as far as you can go in this country from one point to another. Um, You're really scraping the barrel there. Yeah, I mean it's like. A lot of people assume that, you know, um, they would win. Um, that we would not be able to push them back. Because they'd be rolling in with guns and Pepe and all that fucking manly bullshit that Jordan Peterson goes on about. Yeah. And then they found out something very important, which is... If you're going up against experienced rioters and experienced protesters, it would help if you had a little bit of experience in that yourself. Or like any at all that isn't part of duty. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, it's like... They had the right idea. They brought shields. um, They brought equipment. They brought brought guns. They brought openly brandished guns. Let's not forget that. While the pigs yeah. just sort of stood on the sideline and went, well, this is going to make a great copy. Yeah. Um, they were like, oh, well, we only have 30 people, so you know, we're not going to call it a riot. Even though it's like, you know, they do that with 40 or 50. Like, they, they could get you know, 10 or 20 cars. Let's not kid ourselves here. But anyway, what happened was, was after several attempts to clash with the anti-fascists of Portland, um, they finally pushed a little too far, and their shield wall slammed up against ours, and then we broke it. We broke their shield wall. 
And basically, the thing about shield walls is you really have to trust your comrades um, to hold the line. If you're in the second line, you have to trust the front line will hold. And you have, uh, there's a certain level of, you know, like, unspoken coordination that goes on into maintaining a shield wall um, in these kinds of um, street clashes. And for whatever reason, um, and there's a lot of very good reasons why they couldn't, the fascists didn't they didn't have the experience, they didn't have the camaraderie, they didn't have the ability it. to organize a piss up in a brewery. Oh yes, that like that's that's like, you know, mandatory. And yet they couldn't do it. And without that, you're lost. Like, I'm sorry, you're you're just lost. Because the entire point of a shield wall is that it's much stronger than one shield alone. Um, and if you can break through it in an area, you've effectively broken all of it. Which it's is what just happened. very... They broke, they ran, they yeah. were pursued to the parking garage, even though they were pulling shit like waving around guns that may or may not have been loaded. I mean... Knowing these shits, they may have actually tried... I don't know, I'm just speculating here, but I wouldn't be surprised if they were waving around unloaded guns. Like, knowing these pricks. Um, who knows? I mean, they might be that fucking stupid. Um, (laughs) I mean, Robert Evans was reporting that, you know, the guy who broke his hand like, among other things, they, like, broke his hand, but also this guy got up in his face and he was, like, you know, telling him to move. Um, and he didn't. <laughs> Evans did. He stood his ground because, you know, he, he's been through it with us. He's like, with- fuck you. And he's like, fuck you, I've done, like, war reporting in the Donbass. Get bent. <laughs> And it's like, you know, this guy just didn't know what to do. He just assumed that, like, his mustache and his, um, you know, wish.com tactical vest would carry the day. And it didn't. (laughs) And that was just, that was just kind of indicative of what came after, which was the whole shield wall incident. Yeah. And, And we do have to mention, by the way, the cops basically stood around hoped these like blue light special brown shirts were going to do their heavy lifting for them and when it was clear that was not going to happen when you know the proud boys were like leaving liquid trails in their wake as they ran back to their vehicles they declared a riot and brought in the dhs who are not supposed to be there if i remember right they said they left and there was a big like foofara about it but they did. And the Federal Protective Police opened up and they declared a riot. It's, yeah. you know, it, it couldn't be, like, this is some snidely whiplash levels of villainy here, people. 
Oh, it was, the whole thing was just ridiculous. Um, and it was very, like, if it wasn't obvious by now that, like, you know, the PPB will not fight fascists in any way, um, unless they're basically forced to, probably not even then, it was this. It was this. Like, and they are not the only police department who has pulled this bullshit before. Like, the Berkeley PD did this throughout 2017. So, yeah. if you're thinking this is just a Portland issue, there is a significant number of cops who have demonstrated that they would be perfectly willing to let a proud boy crack your skull. Oh, yeah. I mean, you gotta remember, the police are not obligated to protect you. They are obligated mainly to protect themselves and then protect property. Um, they have no duty to protect you. The state has no duty to protect you. Like, there was a Supreme Court ruling so, you know, don't get on my tits about this. Um, they don't give a fuck. Yeah. Like, they don't have is- to. This is all cops are bastards. This is why people say all cops are bastards. This is the whole fucking institution is rotten. So, fuck yeah. them. And <laughs> and what's so big about this is both that you've got these cops that are openly going, yeah, okay, we're just gonna like bail out the brown shirts, and that the brown shirts yet again, when they had ample time to prepare to concentrate their like forces such as they are. Across 4chan and 8chan from all over the fucking country. And they couldn't pour the piss out of the boot with the instructions written on the heel. Yeah. When it came down to it. Like, this has been, like, a similar shit happened with Charlottesville and in Berkeley and in so many of these other examples where the, like, far right has tried to play the game of street violence on a large organized scale and graduate to the brown shirt level and every single time they have to because they just don't have it. Like, they can absolutely do the kind of dangerous, awful shit that is like lone wolf, night rider, terrorism kind of shit, but so far they have demonstrated no ability to progress beyond that. And when you look at, like, far-right Twitter, they were absolutely castigating the people who went out in the field. So no one's going to really be quick to stick their neck out to be the next ass to get slapped. Oh, yes. And it's... Honestly, I'm almost glad that we delayed our um, episode. I couldn't find my mic. I'm really sorry. Because of what happened in Kenosha, uh, Wisconsin. Uh, and for the those pigs, who haven't heard uh, of Kenosha, Wisconsin, I mean, fair cop, we haven't either. Um, I have. But it's like, you know, I, I knew it yeah. was like a major city. I don't know anything about it. Yeah. Like, it's a place on a map as far as a lot of people are concerned. It's like a town of, like, 100,000 people in Wisconsin. This is not 
Los Angeles. This is not a suburb of Milwaukee or like the outer ring of Chicago or something like that. Yeah. And so basically, uh, a couple of days ago now, um, or was it? It we was may last or may night. not have seen the video. Yeah, I think it was. Yeah, it was like August twenty third. Yeah, it was last night. So uh, as of recording, uh, so uh, and again as of recording, as far as I know, the dude is still alive, and Thankfully. I hope he fucking makes it. Uh, but basically, the pigs shot this dude in the back seven times in front of his family. Black dude, by the way. Because of Black course. Dude. Of course. Like, when it comes to the Midwest, and especially the West Belt, um, they police cruelty towards minorities just I mean, just look at the Chicago. If anything, it's... <laughs> I mean, if anything, it's almost worse than the South. Let's, let's be honest here. Like, they're absolutely Jim Crow motherfuckers. Um, and so... And he was trying to break up a fight between two, like, neighbor kids. Yeah, yeah. That was what was... That was what was really fucked about it. It's like, you know, these... These pigs just come in and they they shoot the dude. And yeah, like he was, unarmed, he was in the street. He was obviously trying to de-escalate a situation. Like we only even know about this because a neighbor was filming it. Because you know, surprise, surprise, the pigs turned off their body cams. Yes, and <laughs> <laughs> and we we probably went even bring it up, if not for what happened, just within, within minutes, within oh, hours, hours at best, it was like a major response uh, by the community. Like, um, thousands of people took to the streets with very little time or organization, and then, you know, the cops decided to be like, right, this is a riot, we're going to disperse it, and then things went badly. Like, I think my favorite quote from any of the coverage of what went down in Kenosha was, and that's when the first dump truck went up in flames. Yeah, because the police have nothing better to do than waste the city's money by parking Garbage trucks and dump trucks from the Department of Public Works because they won't use their own vehicles. Cause fucking pigs. So they <laughs> they tried. It didn't go well. At one point, the courthouse was lit on fire. I don't know how intact it is at the present moment, but you know, someone made like a good college try there. Um, and the cops got whooped by some really pissed off locals in a place most people probably haven't heard of that, like, I don't think has ever had, like, a significant protest in its history. Like, maybe back during, like, you know, the early days of the labor movement or something, but, you know. Yeah. And 
obviously, you know, if we're wrong about this, um, like, we basically just found out this town existed um, hours before. Yeah, they put <laughs> so, themselves on the map by lighting a courthouse on fire. Yeah, which is a very based way to show up in our feeds. Um, <laughs> so, you know, salute to the protesters. Um, if those, well, if they don't, you know, fire and try and execute those bastards, then, like, you know, um, keep doing it. Go yeah. for it. Which is Fight what the, a local Black Lives Matter activist who was trying the more let's build relationships with the police and local authorities approach said when asked by the press was Kenosha will burn until this guy is tried. So, you know, (laughs) when that's what's going down in a place that you wouldn't have expected to have any, like a riot period, like you got people learning really quick how to riot really good. Mm -hmm. Mm Mm-hmm. And, yeah, I mean, it was just, it was amazing. (laughs) Like, this is, this is more of what we're talking about of Black Lives Matter is showing up in places that normally never see direct action at all. This is, like, at this point, it could easily, like, metastasize into something way bigger. With no difficulty whatsoever. Like, assuming there... It isn't already to an extent in some places. So... uh, This is... um, To close this out before we make our inevitable appeal to the... um, To the Patreon... um, and special thanks to all our patrons for making this possible. Uh-huh. And, um, you know, patreon.com slash chopshop economics. It pays our um, equipment bills. We, it, it covers we finally have enough to cover our SoundCloud. Maybe we can, like, cover a pop filter for my mic. Um, I recently had to change to one of my spares, which is not fun. And it doesn't have a pop filter, so please get me a pop filter. Um, you know, sign up there. Um, but to close this out, um, there's a story that, frankly, um, the show as a whole hasn't really been tracking, but I have, because... You know, I'm a gun nerd. I'm girlfriends of a gun nerd. Um, and there is a major ammo and gun shortage right now. Um, this shit is pretty fucking ridiculous. Um, <sighs> well, we found out must uh, we found out about this? Well, the doc did. Because um, of a recent friend that's been going around um, about how this guy who, you know, never owned a gun before um, was trying to find one in L.A. Um, and it was, 
it was a pretty wild ride. Um, took him like a week, I think. Yeah. Um, and that's not like, you know, California gun regulations. That's literally, it took him a week to find a store that actually had guns to sell. Yeah. And so it's like, you know, everyone's like having to do the signups because, um, like, you know, this is, this is worthy of a huge fucking grant on my part that would take away more research. But TLDR, um, California gun laws are bullshit. Um, they're way too involved. Um, and so you have to fill out a whole shit ton of paperwork that's basically redundant because white moms back in the 80s demanded all this um, to buy a gun. And what was interesting about this is that unlike the 2008 or 2016 or 9-11 searches of gun ownership, um, or especially the post-2004 um, assault weapons ban um, sunset, there has never been a surge like this um, in people from all backgrounds buying guns. Usually it's just been the right buying them up. And um, usually the same people on the right buying guns at that. It's not like like there there is like a well documented phenomenon of like right and far right gun buyers having small arsenals to themselves. Yeah. I mean it's like I don't I'll be honest I don't think that it's particularly out of line for them um, because it's like I don't know this is it's well, way like, more common than people think um, yeah and, and but, like and, and like it's important like when mentioning the whole like small arsenals thing is with like right-wing gun buying is there's a lot of depth to the right-wing gun market but there isn't a lot of breadth so to speak yeah, yeah. It's we're talking about people who you know they already own like all the conceivable, um, conceivable basics that you would need for like hunting and self defense and all that. Like most of these people already have guns and lots of them, and they're just buying more because you know fuck the man. Um, yeah, this is different. This is a lot of people who don't have guns are buying guns. Yes. And as you might expect, um, there is a major shortage. Um, it's in all the gun industry press, by the way. This is yes. all over the trade press. Um, the trade press is absolutely blowing up. I personally um, have been finding it difficult to locate specific parts. Um, a lot of people are. Um like, you can usually find enough parts eventually to build an AR, for instance, but you're not going to find them all in the same place, and the configuration may not really make sense. Like, Delton only sells the 16-inch um, dissipator, uh, dissipator upper, which um, is not something a beginner should be buying. Um, and yeah. is that's 
probably the only reason it's in stock, to be perfectly honest, um, is because, you know, this <laughs> this is the only gun that uh, they're selling that doesn't actually make a lot of sense to own. So, yeah, they still have it in stock, but, like, everything you'd actually want isn't. Um, there is widespread equipment shortages. Um, there's been a major uptick in interest in uh, 3D printed solutions. A lot of the um, 80% upper quote-unquote ghost gun people um, are getting a lot more business than usual because there's because the of the major yeah, because of, there's this major equipment shortage and it turns out to be cheaper and easier to just yourself so we've got this is probably the largest up arming of the american population since like the great depression easily yes like this is actually probably almost comparable to like the late 1850s if we're gonna be honest um yes because you didn't have things like the Republican Party not even passing a platform just saying we're here to do whatever Trump tells us to do and 70% of their voters saying they think the only thing Republican Congress critters should do is be loyal foot soldiers for the great Trump and he's the embodiment of all they desire from leadership you know totally normal political shit here and substantial swaths of the democratic party base who are convinced that the republican party is a nefarious russian trojan horse and then you got those of us over on the left who are like well this is really looking peachy we're just gonna be over here reading up on huey newton now (laughs) yeah um the fred and we'll link to it um it's, you know, it's kind of interesting. Um, he was, from what he was seeing, um, he was talking to a, um, a black-owned gun business owner, and what they were saying was, you know, 90% of the sales they were making were to first-timers. In L.A., um, and when like, you look at chatter from, like, the Socialist Rifle Association, or yes. Trigger Warning, they've been talking about ch- new chapters popping up like nobody's business, or existing chapters seeing surges in membership. Um, yes. <laughs> the Latino Rifle Association as well. Um, they've been getting traction lately. Like, if you haven't, like, if these names aren't sounding familiar to you, like, it is worth pointing out that unlike the armed right, the armed left doesn't wave their dicks around in public. Oh, yeah. And it's it's also worth noting that a lot of our, um, a lot of our own gun rights organizations are relatively young. The oldest um, is, like, the Liberal Gun Club, and that's been around basically only since the mid-Obama administration. <laughs> and I think um, maybe also, like, the John Brown Gun Club might be, like, a 
little older than that. I mean... A little younger. Um, but, like, the network that came before it is older. Uh, yes. And the uh, Anarchist Black Cross um, also had a firearms section at one point during the Bush 2 administration. Like, our, our organizations are relatively young and small, but they've been exploding lately, and there's a reason for that. And it is worth pointing out that even though in, there isn't the widespread institutional knowledge of how to handle guns, there is widespread institutional knowledge across the U.S. left of how to make shit run on spit and chewing gum. Yes. And when you can do that, it's really easy to figure other things out. <laughs> and as far as far as I'm concerned, this this is a good sign because again, this is what we're seeing is not the sort of worrying thing where it's like it's more like the twenty uh, the post election twenty sixteen gun surge in that you know people are taking the disaster that is twenty twenty that is the worst year ever, they're taking it seriously. And, you know, everything's going wrong. People want to feel safe. Um, And, I mean, a gun will not by itself make you safe. But if if you need it and you don't have it, you're kind of fucked. So that's kind of like, you know... That this is all shit that works with the doomsday stuff we've talked about before. That this is these are not things that are causing things to get worse. These are responses to things getting worse. But yes. the way they're playing out is going to be affecting outcomes. Like yeah, this, this at this point it is safe to assume that barring something very unusual, we're probably going to see. Uh, the Trump section of the Republican Party try to maintain power by hook or crook and damn the consequences. And that section of the party seems to be most of the party. Yeah. And it's like, it's worth noting. Uh, And by the way, the New York Police Union endorsed Trump, which is a first for them ever. The New York Police Benevolent Association. So, you know... There are cops who love this guy and love this far-right shit, too. Yeah. And it's like, it's worth pointing out, and this is this is kind of the reason that unlike a lot of us, I've been actually rather optimistic about our chances on the left, is that we're now in a position where we're not going to automatically lose. Like, in the late Bush era, if, you know, things had fallen apart after the election, um, you know, like, McCain croaks, you know, the day of the inauguration, and Sarah Palin goes ham on all of us, then, you know, we we would have lost. We absolutely would have lost to them. And that's not the case this time around. So we'll we'll see what happens. 
we're going to stay cautiously optimistic while keeping in mind this is like the year that has double booked Godzilla and Cthulhu. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I'm not saying it, like, I'm not saying we're automatically going to win. I'm just saying, you know, there's, there's we, reason to be optimistic. We might not be on the receiving end of Pinochet. Yes. <laughs> we, we might be able to avoid that outcome. So... All that said, I think that's all we got this week. Yeah. Um, we, um, because of, you know, our other obligations, um, Doc's got job search stuff, I've got, so, my girlfriend is over, which is fucking awesome. Um. We, um, are not currently doing specials. We will be um, picking that back up in September, uh, God's willing. Um, and like we said, if you want to uh, support us, um, get me a new pop filter, you can go on um, patreon.com um, slash chopshopeconomics um, and listen to our premium episodes, like our Doomsday special and our um, commentary on the Netflix Fire Festival um, documentary. Um, yes, we will be doing the Hulu one. Um, That's the next please be coming up. And we'll probably yeah. do another Doomsday special. Because it, we probably need an update. Yes. Um, so, all that said, this has been Chop Shop Economics. Maybe this shit so you don't have to. Bye, everyone. Good luck out there.